There's about three messages running through my heart this morning. And so, whew, two of them are rough. But, um, so actually there's four messages, but, and three of them are rough. This is going to be the unrough one, hopefully, but it might lead into the other ones. All right, so Psalm 85, I was looking for a couple other references there just briefly. I had come to my mind earlier and I forgot to look them up, but uh, you can probably figure it out whenever, if I use them. Psalm 85, Brother Hall, um, years, God used him, a lot of his preaching uh, as he mentioned when he was here, and we got to get some, I got those messages, I got to get to some folks, and um, I mentioned, I failed to mention Miss Debbie, per, uh, Sister per, uh, Debbie, yeah, this Debbie over here, uh, traveling this weekend, do pray for her, she mentioned it last night, we prayed for her last night, she mentioned to pray for her that way, so pray for her as she travels, and then I uh, want to just kind of going around, don't forget, try not to forget anybody. But Brother Hall, you know, he mentioned it while he was here that he had preached uh, so many messages out of the book of Song of Solomon. And he did. He preached through the book and um, a tremendous study there. And um, keeping the Song of Solomon in, in its right context is key. And not, not letting the flesh, I know a man that uh, took it and made it fleshly among his high school, Sunday school class. And of that high school Sunday school class, at least two of them wound up pregnant out of wedlock because the Sunday school teacher, one of them is his daughter, um, taught the Song of Solomon wrong. Taught it in a fleshly manner, not in a spiritual manner. And uh, just, uh, anyway, uh, Diotrephes is his name. Uh, that's, that's the way he is in that church. Uh, if he's still living, I don't know. But anyway, God hadn't killed him yet. Uh, he's just that way. But anyway, uh, that being said, uh, a lot of other Brother Hall's other preachers' preaching was along the lines of revival. And uh, he had a real desire for revival. I've seen uh, a touch of revival at Island Ford. Uh, again, we, we cut off the radio, stopped the outside from listening in, so they would make uh, uh, comments on what was being preached and what was being confessed. And uh, God moved, and of course, several weeks prior to that, like six weeks or more at least, uh, prior to that, the men would meet every morning at the church at 6 o'clock, and they would pray, pray for a revival. And uh, the preacher showed up, and it wasn't in the man, it was in the message, it was in the book, it was in the truth. And God will use the truth of God's word, and that's one of my points. God will use the truth for revival. I know that's in social media, and it's kind of even made its way even up to uh, some of the news networks and uh, has been mentioning the so-called revival going on. I hope it is, but uh, the revival that's going on uh, there, I, I probably, and I could point to some things that probably ain't, but uh, uh, that's going on there in Virginia, I believe it is, and uh, I know men that have traveled there. There, there, there are so many churches that are looking for something that they're willing to travel to see if that something is really what's going on in places. And I know a man that showed up like Friday night, got in there at 11.30, you know, and it was up till 2 o'clock in the morning or whatever. And then, then the, you know, the young people went and stayed and the old people went to sleep. 
but uh, they stayed, uh, and they said the energy in the place. But again, the Bible does tell us to try the spirits. We've got the Word of God to try it by. And if it doesn't line up with the Word of God, then it's not of God. You know, and so, but, but at the same time, uh, oftentimes we need to, uh, you know, when we hear of things like that, not be quick. Not be quick in, in our judgment. Uh, the disciples was quick. And this was the, 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 uh, the reference that I was trying to look up. The disciples was quick in a judgment. They were saying, hey, there's a group down here, and I'm paraphrasing a group down here because I couldn't find the reference. The group down here, they're baptizing. They're not of us. Jesus said, leave them alone. If they're not against us, they're for, for us. You know, and then there was another, uh, another uh, instance here in the Word of God, another in, uh, reference there that uh, they, they went to the Pharisees. And basically one wise Pharisee says, well, if it's of God, we can't fight against it. If it's not of God, it'll come to naught. But it's of God, and it's, we're, who are we to fight against God? So that being said, and that's the introduction, you know, as we hear of, these, there's apparently another one broke out down south, uh, you know, down in Louisiana or somewhere in that area. So, so it's in discussion in social media. It's in discussion in the public media. But just like um, how our public media will work and will broadcast a, a story that should, like, been mentioned and ended, and they'll keep it. They'll keep beating that drum all week. While they're beating that drum, keeping you listening and looking over here, there's they're keeping your mind away from the things that really is happening. And the same thing with the devil. The devil works that way. He will he will put out something, and he will put that as a look at here and look at this and what's really going on to keep us and make us criticize that instead of looking inward. <laughs> Here we go, buckle up, instead of looking inward as to where we are with God. We're really quick to look at them and say, oh, they can't be of God, this can't be of God, and we will say, and we will look at all them and give them, and give you the, the reasons why that that is or isn't of God in our opinion, but then it keeps us from looking where we ought to be looking, and that's inward. You know, if we can be right with God, that's the, uh, the biggest problem. If we ever get to the problem, like Brother, uh, I appreciate the example of Brother uh, Mitchell. You know, he said, I went in there and said among the other criminals. And he said, <laughs> and then he said, and he was guilty. And if, if, that's not, if we can't make that a definition of repentance... You know, I'm guilty, but beg for mercy. I mean, that's exactly what... <laughs> is plead guilty and beg for mercy. I love that. That was great this morning. But see, so many times we don't want to look inward. We don't want to be like Brother Mitchell says, I was guilty. We won't revive. I would like to see revival. Wilt thou not revive us again? Let's read our text. There, as we put out the beginning of verse number 6 out on our sign... Last night, but I, I, Psalm 86, Bow down thine ear, O Lord. Hear me, for I am poor and needy. Preserve my soul, for I am holy. Thou art my God, save thy servant that trusteth in thee. Be merciful unto me, O Lord, for I cry unto thee daily. Rejoice the soul of thy servant, for unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. 
For thou, Lord, art good and ready to forgive and plenteous in mercy unto all them that call upon thee. Give ear, O Lord, unto my prayer and attend to the voice of my supplications. In the day of my trouble I will call upon thee, for thou will answer me. This is... Uh, I'm in 86, ain't I? But look, I'm supposed to be in 85, but I made that mistake and God was in that. Because it struck me as I was reading that in the wrong passage even, it struck me that David is using, I guess it's a psalm, it says a prayer of David. Prayer of David, the personal pronouns. I, my. Look, he's not looking at others. And that goes to my point just a few moments ago in my, in my comments that, that so many times we hear of something and we say, you know, and we're quick, we're really quick to say, you know, look at them. That ain't, that ain't of God. I got a scene where, you know, another, I hate social media sometimes in the fact that it, 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 it enlightens you to people's sin. People that you know and you care for and you love. And to see them going the, and knowing that they've heard the same preaching that you've heard. And to see them going away. I mean way away from God's precepts. It hurts your heart. uh, It hurt my heart whenever I read it. Because I know what their end will be if they don't change. It hurts me. I don't glory in the fact that they are there and that me and mine are where we're at. I got some that's wrong. They all sit under the same preaching. And if mine don't get right, I don't glory in where they're going to wind up. That wrath will hit mine. The wrath that he spoke of in the Sunday school will hit mine that don't get right with God. That hurts me. I don't glory in the fact that, that I've got some children and if they don't turn, I don't glory in the fact that my children's friends growing up, if they don't turn, we're going to burn in hell and the lake of fire and we're going to suffer the wrath to come. And then that great tribulation, they, like, like the, the passage of Scripture Brother Glenn shared with us in Sunday school, they will seek death. And cannot find it. Can you imagine trying to kill yourself and can't? I mean, I could go into all kinds of ways to suicide and how people attempt suicide and oftentimes succeed. But can you imagine not succeeding, not being able to succeed because you can't find death? You think death is the answer to your problems and will get, relieve you from the wrath and death will flee from you and you can't die? That's great tribulation. That's wrath. And that's coming. And it's closer than what we think. Like I said, the... Uh, the news media, some people are like, ah, they don't watch anything. They don't listen to anything as far as what's going on in our world today. 
which sometimes is a blessing. But at the same time, we need to know, we need to understand. Of course, we know what the Bible says our future is going to be, and I'm just saying it's at hand. We already have seen bits and pieces. They are saying the quiet things out loud. World leaders are saying there's going to be food shortages. And then they do things to make that happen. World leaders are going to say there's going to be fuel shortages and it's going to be expensive. We did that several administrations ago. You will be paying higher prices. And his puppet is making it happen. Same woman that was in both White Houses pulling some serious strings. And it's just, look, if we are going to see some things happen, we have got to turn internally and just make sure that we, and like I said, this has prompted all kinds of things and making me, one of the things that's going on in my mind, and I put it on my social media this morning, is the Bible tells us to quit, quit you like me and be strong. And I, my thought is that the men have just quit. <laughs> it's not quit you like men. The men have just quit. It's, it's a men problem. We can preach a whole message on that, and I probably will be in the near future. But then it goes on beyond that. And so help us. Anyway, so let's go back over to the right text. Lord... Thou hast been favorable unto thy land. Thou hast brought back the captivity of Jacob. Thou hast forgiven the iniquity of thy people. Thou hast covered all their sin, Selah. Thou hast taken away all thy wrath. Thou hast turned thyself from the fierceness of thine anger. Turn us, O God of our salvation, and cause thine anger toward us to cease. Wilt thou be angry with us forever? Wilt thou draw out thine anger to all generations? Good questions. See, the wrath comes on God's people too. If we're not right, he's, this is a Psalm 4, the sons of Korah. God, you have done this for us, but we're not where we ought to be. So wilt thou... Be angry with us forever? Wilt thou draw out thine anger to all generations? Wilt thou not revive us again that thy people may rejoice in thee? Show us thy mercy, O Lord, and grant us thy salvation. I will hear what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace unto his people and to his saints, but let them not turn again to folly. Surely his salvation is nigh them that fear him, that, glo- that glory may dwell in our land. Mercy and truth are met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. Truth shall spring out of the earth, and the righteousness shall uh, look down from heaven. I'm sorry, and, and righteousness, not, not the righteousness. And righteousness 
shall look down from heaven. Yea, the Lord shall give that which is good, and our land shall yield her increase. Righteousness shall go before him, and shall set us in the way of his steps. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, praise your God and direct this morning. We'll thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. All right, so wilt thou not revive us again that thy people may rejoice in thee? Obviously, and then we have mentioned it in the past, and again, I know we've already said, I've already said, our, our, we've, we as a church have set our dates for revival in October, but revival don't happen, have to happen on our time. Revival could happen on God's time. Revival could happen in February, amen, and, and, and at the local level, again, turning ourselves inward. Again, there's a big thing about, and they're pointing to certain things, and if they would look to the leader of that particular college, or at least the, the name that the, of the preacher that that, uh, that person at that, that college is named after, he had uh, apparently, uh, I was seeing one of his quotes, a desire to live more righteous day by day. But if it doesn't line up with this book, we're going to see this here in a second. So it says, turn away from folly. Wilt thou not revive us again that thy people may rejoice? We need to turn away from folly and I have turned to God. We see that in verse number 3. Be merciful. I'm by <laughs> Get my Bible right. Thou hast taken away all thy wrath. Thou hast turned thyself from the fierceness of thine anger. So turn us. There we go. Turn up verse number 4. Turn us, O God, of our salvation, and cause thy anger toward us to cease. So we need to turn. We need to be turned to God from our folly. There in verse um, number 8. Verse number 8, we see that. I will sp- hear what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace unto his people and to his saints, and let them not turn again to folly. So we've got to, we have the ability to turn to God and, and, and ask the Lord to turn us toward him, or we can, in our flesh, turn again to folly. I looked up the word folly. Not a, I mean, we, you know, we don't use that in everyday language. We know what folly means, most of us, but biblically and or, you know, here with Mr. Um, Daniel Webster, 1828 Dictionary. Weakness of in- intellect, folly. Weakness of lin- intellect. Quit you like men. <laughs> Be strong. Be strong in our intellect. Otherwise, it's folly. Imb- imbecility. Being an imbecile. Imbecility of mind is folly. Want of understanding. A fool layeth open his folly, Proverbs 13. So weakness of intellect, imbecility of mind, and want of understanding. You have no understanding. You're weak in your intellect. You're acting like an imbecile in your mind. We can turn to folly, but we don't need to turn to folly. Look, we want God. We want God to work in us. We want God to work through us. We need to turn to God. And he says there in verse number four, uh, well, back up, uh, yeah. 
well, it's three and four. Thou hast taken away, no, verse four. Turn us, O God, of our salvation, and cause thine anger toward us to cease. Wilt thou be angry with us forever? Wilt thou draw our, uh, uh, out thine anger to all generations? Again, we've, we've talked about different definitions going toward our, into our meeting last week and last year with, with Brother Bryant and a couple of messages prior to that meeting as far as revival goes. And in just still the last four years, how God has lined up Romans 12, 1 and 2. I even mentioned it last week. Turning us to him. It starts in our individual hearts. It starts in the home. And there's where we're going to draw some things down. I already feel it coming. I mean, God is just putting it on me. And our homes. Quit you like men. Be strong. It's going to start with the men. Our nation is in the, the mess it's in because of the men. Let's own it. I want to get ahead of myself. Well, anyway, let's just do that. I'm, on, I'm already going. That's the slow back, back, back to here. All right, so first, turn away from our folly. And secondly, if we want revival, wilt thou not revive us again that thy people may rejoice in thee? And that is a, that is a, uh, a benefit of revival, is rejoicing. You know, to see what little bit has been put out, you know, they don't want any live streams going on. Uh, that one fellow that I know that showed up there Friday night, you know, things will leak out when women lead in worship. That's not lining up with that word. It's been said, and somebody, somebody even uh, said, you know, where they're 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 uh, uh, jubilant, if you want to put it that way, that that homosexuals are leading in worship. That's not of God. If it's true, I mean, one person said it was true. They they posted a that you know they were some people like that. You know, it, so it doesn't line up. If it doesn't line up, it's not of God. But then there again to quit criticizing them, and I know this sounds critical toward them, but I'm trying to get it to us say, okay, if it's not lining up with God, then it's probably not of God, but what are we doing about it? There's where I want to get us to, turn it back to ourselves. We in our homes, do we line up? Are we, as leaders of our homes, lining up? Are we examining... Are we running our homes? Are we allowing our homes to line up? Wives to line up? Children to line up? And I know I'm going to say it, and I know it ain't going to fit. It ain't going to fit right in some of your crawl. But one word that women and children need to learn from us men is no I knew it wouldn't line up. I mean, we got Bible on wives, submit yourselves. Sometimes you present no is a good is an answer. I'm just going ahead and say it. The Bible talks about the continuous dropping. Look it up. Proverbs, two different two different verses. A continuous dropping and a contentious woman. They're about the same way. We say no. And you know, you know, wait, wait, back up. You know how it is, men. 
where it says, when you're laying in the bed in here, drip, drip, and you're like, what is that coming from? Drip, <laughs> drip, and you're laying in bed, you're comfortable, you don't want to get up, drip, drip, and finally you just, it just gets to you. You can't take it no more. You throw back the covers and you go find that drip, and you turn off that faucet that's dripping. And that's the way it is. You said no, but drip, drip, drip. I said no, drip, 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 drip. And finally you say, okay, just to make the drip stop. Now who's right? And with our children, no, <laughs> but, drip, no, but, daddy, but mama, drip, drip, and we give in when they just need to learn, no, and you can reason with the adult, you should be able to reason with the adults, and say, this is why it's no. You should be able to reason with your older children. No, you're not going to go down there because it will not please God. It doesn't line up with what God wants. We're going to run our home this way with these instructions. Folly. Turn back, so turn away from, turn to God and turn away from folly and turn back toward a reverential fear. We see, so away from folly and to fear, verse number 9, surely his salvation is nigh to them that fear him. This is not salvation as in, because here at the beginning of this chapter, we already see that we have been forgiven, okay? We have experienced the salvation toward his people. If you want to see that, turn us God of our salvation. So we've already experienced salvation as far as, and making an application here, as far as salvation goes. But in verse number 9, that salvation is away from the wrath and the judgment that now is coming upon us. Not in the saving faith and saving grace. It's just, you know, it's, it's turning back when he's whooping us. As his children. You know, one of the things, and it was a great illustration, and he's asleep. <laughs> can, you, can, I, can you come here for a second and help me out? Okay. <laughs> you got the, yeah, I'm not going to hit you. <laughs> but so many times, you know, let me have this hand. So many times, turn around just a little bit, I'm not going to hit you. So many times we're like this, okay, and, and the daddy is wearing us out. And we're like this, and we're just, we're, we're like going around in circles. There was an illustration that I seen, it was wonderful. I thought, man, that is so good. So, so many times we're running away from the wrath of God, we're running away from the correction of God. And the big brother tells the little brother who was doing that, running around, running around. He said, if you will, he said, 
I have learned, being the big brother, if you get a little closer to God, get a little closer to the Father, the hitting is he doesn't have as big of a swing as if he does when you're close to God. So when we're being corrected, how do we get out of the wrath? How do we get out of the feeling of being whacked a little harder? It's just to draw closer to him. So it's a whole lot easier, less of a wrath here when I'm close to the Father than out here when I've got the full swing. But so many, thank you, but so many times we want to pull away from his correction. Instead of drawing nigh to him, you want to get it done quicker? Just draw nigh to him. There's the righteousness of him. That's what it's, the, the fear, that's where we're at, the fear of him. And the fear in scripture means, fear is used to express a filial or slavish passion. In good men, the fear of God is a holy awe or reverence of God in his laws. Look, we're over here in John on Sunday nights, and it talks about, look, how do we know if ye love me, keep my commandments. And we're t- we, we dealt with that last week as far as loving the, uh, you know, our Father with all of our heart, heart, mind, soul, and in, if he says it, then lining up with it. If he says it, then wanting to please the Father because of our actions, not turn to folly, but turn to him in reverential fear. I want to please you. I want to line up with your, your scripture. Uh, so in good men, the fear of God is a holy awe or reverence of God in his laws, which springs from just a... Uh, which springs from a just view and real love of the divine character, leading the subjects of it to hate and shun everything that can offend such a holy being. That includes in... So it, it's not only not, you know, not palling around with things and people that would not line up with and would offend a holy God. It's turning it inward. And, and saying, God, in my walk, in my talk, in my being, am I doing anything to offend you? Uh, so, uh, and it, so leading subjects of it to hate and shun everything that can offend such a holy being and inclining them to aim at perfect obedience. There's where our aim should be. Perfect obedience. Woo! Well, nobody's perfect. But our aim should be. I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God. There is a mark. There is a mark. My being should be, I mean, do I line up with this book every day? No. But my heart and my desire should be pressing toward the mark of lining up with that book every day. In every aspect of my life. (laughs) I want to get a torque wrench. A small one up here, put up in my, you know, with a socket on there. 
And then every, every time that we're getting ready to tighten it down, just pull it out and say, are we getting ready to tighten her down, boys? And I, I'm saying on me too. Slavish fear, so filial fear is that. I will put a fear in their heart. Slavish, slavish fear is the effect of consequence of guilt. It is the painful apprehension of merited punishment. So filial fear, again, just having a love for the Father not to offend Him. Not the fear of punishment because, you know, I've just been doing wrong. That's slavish fear. Another definition of fear is the worship of God. I will teach you to fear the Lord, Psalm 34. The law and word of God. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever, Psalm 19. Reverence, respect, due regard is fear rendered to all uh, their dues, fear to whom fear is due, Romans 13. So there's several different verses there, but back to our text here, in, uh, there in verse number 9, all nations, well, back up, surely his salvation is nigh to them that fear him, and glory may dwell in our land. So that salvation is... Mercy's next is you, you will experience mercy by, show, by showing reverential fear. Just like going back to Brother um, Mitchell's testimony. As he said, there was a man on the bench. He was on a high seat. Now, his was a slavish fear. He was guilty, and he was fearful of the consequence. But he begged for mercy. Mercy and truth are met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. Truth shall spring out of the earth, and righteousness shall look down from heaven. So again, turn back. Turned back toward a reverential fear, and I've got turned back toward righteousness. So, let's give a definition. <laughs> There's lots of them. There's some of them that's really good. Some of them that really gets where I want to go with this. Well, right here, purity of heart, rectitude of life, conformity of heart and life to the divine law. If you love me, keep my commandments. Righteousness is used in the scripture and theology in which it is, chief, it is chiefly used is nearly equivalent to holiness. Comprehending holy principles and affections of heart and conformity of life to divine law. So understanding, so the opposite of folly. So folly is not having that intellect. Okay, so having that intellect toward the things of God. Comprehending the divine law, and then having that desire to line up with it. As he put it here, having that desire or, or the conformity of life to the design law. Comprehending holy principles and affections of heart and conformity of life to the divine law. We, we, want to be, we want to follow God's precepts. We want to be right with him. We want to love him and obey him in every aspect of our lives and then having that desire, but then actually lining up. 
So men, we can go ahead and hit us a lick. When God says no, <laughs> he means no. And when God says go, <laughs> he means go. Whew. Righteousness. It includes all we call justice, honesty, and virtue with holy affections. In short, it is true religion. Applied to God, now, I went ahead and put this in here because of the way that it's written there. So we see in verse number 10, truth and mercy are met together, righteousness and peace have kissed each other. But then it says, and righteousness shall look down from heaven. So where is the righteousness coming from? Heaven. So when applied to God, the perfection or holiness of his nature, exact rectitude, faithfulness. And in the third definition, the active and passive obedience of Christ by which the law of God is fulfilled. Daniel chapter 9, Proverbs 14, 34. I wanted to include this. Again, what's wrong with our nation? Righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. We want to know what's wrong with our nation. We are so far away from God as a nation. But then that we can just... You know, instead of saying, well, look at them politicians and, the, you know, the federal government. And we just like we look at these other so-called revival, whatever, we look out. and we, We're easy to wag our finger and wag our tongue at them. The, the unrighteousness that's going in the, the state house and all the, the people there. And you can put a, an R or a D on either side and, and you can find unrighteousness in both circles. And I know it's been a debate in, in years gone by of can politicians, can um, our political leaders um, legis- legislate righteousness. You know, really righteousness starts here in the heart. And yeah, you can put out the word, you can put out the law, but you know that people's going to just... Oh, disobey the law. God put out the law. There's the righteousness. And what do we do as sinners? We disobey. And it's not until the heart gets in line with this book. As a sinner coming to Christ as a Savior, like was mentioned, like was taught in Sunday school hour, or as the saint of God who is away from God, seeking revival, lining back up with the book. You can say it all day long. I read, in light of some other thoughts that I had this morning, Abigail Adams' letter, just a little part to, to John Adams. Abigail Adams was our first second lady and our second first lady. Back in the day, from what a little bit I read, again, I've got it pulled up to reread again, look into it a little bit more. Some people even called her the first female president, Mrs. President. But she said in the one little statement that I seen was asking her husband, our second president, our first vice president, to remember when he was off into Philadelphia, they were writing their laws, 
making the Constitution and so on and so forth in 1776 to remember the ladies. But in the same letter, after saying remember the ladies in the forming of this government, so the tyrannical men, quit you like men, be strong sometimes is viewed as tyrannical, but in the same statement she was making to her husband in that letter to John Adams, she said, if, basically, and I'll, I'll get the full quote and read it to you later, you can look it up, but in the same sense she said, if you don't, then we're going to rebel against any law that you put forward. You think that is the spirit of a godly woman? No. Drip, drip, drip. But she's lifted up. Oh, she's one of the first women to suffragettes. Drip. Quit you like men, be strong. I didn't know it was all going to come together, all four of them. That's not the way you are. Righteousness. Look, there's a book in, there's a Bible here in front of us. We want to say, oh, look at this woman in the Bible. Look at this woman in the Bible. Look at this woman in the Bible. But look a little deeper. Proverbs chapter 31. Yeah, she was a businesswoman at home. Under her husband, it's in the book. Righteousness. Lining up. And like I said, some things that God just flooded my soul this morning, last night. And I'm thinking, wow. But, you know, in my flesh, I said, man, that small crowd, it's going to be taken wrong, Lord. That small crowd... They're going to think I'm picking on them. That's small. I'm wanting us to line up. Look, I reread it again this morning. I reread it again. And I know that you almost guys, <laughs> you all can quote it. But I'm, I'm, I reread it for me in my position. And like I confess to you that I was, I was mispreaching it. Not your obedience, necessarily, but my watchful. Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls. As they that must, we're going to see the word must here, there's a must there, as they that must give an account, give account that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is improbable for you. Look, I didn't ask to be called of God into the ministry. For whatever reason, God looked down and seen Doug Bell, that base thing from East Tennessee, that foolish thing from East Tennessee, that, that man from a broken home. And he said, I want you to preach. <laughs> and I said, Lord, I can't preach. I'm in the Air Force. And whatever other excuse that I could tell him. And then finally I said, okay, Lord, I'll preach. 
and I surrender to his call on my life. Now, the weight of souls. You're talking about being heavy, Brother Chris, and all these other men of God, men that, that God has truly called, a, put a calling of God on their lives. Soul, when you get to realize, and when I got to, I went back and reread it this morning, when the gravity and the weight of souls that I'm accounted for, that I will give account, I must give account for your souls, not for your bank account. I mean, I wish I could give everybody a million dollars. Everybody's like, I wish you could too. But in the end, that's all going to burn up. But eternal things, when you get the gravity of that and the things that God puts on me to preach to you, and if I'm not obedient, I'm going to have to give account. And the things that I do preach to you, I know Well, I, then, then once it's off of me, once I have, like the watchman, <laughs> once I have gave, given the message... Once I have warned that you flee from the wrath to come, then when I stand before God, your blood ain't going to be on my hands if I've obeyed. But if I let my flesh say, but Lord, they're going to take that wrong or, you know, or preach it out of a wrong spirit. I don't want to do that. I'm preaching out of love because your souls I'm going to have to give account for. The, how your souls line up with this book, how your homes line up. It's, it's a passion of mine, and I want it to come out that way. It's not a personal attack, but is it lining up with this book? Men, we've probably made some decisions in our home that if we go back and we look, I can, pro- I can it didn't line up, and we've suffered for it or suffering for it or will suffer for it. And, and I've got to give it out. I've got to say, the enemy's coming. And it might get personal in the weeks to come. I hope it, I mean. But I'm going to try to line it up with the book. So you say, well, it's not Brother Bell. It's God's word. But seek ye first. My, the verse that I... I sign whenever somebody has me sign their Bible. Some people call it the life verse. I don't know, but this is what I, it's, it's Matthew chapter 6. It's my favorite chapter. You know that. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. He's just dealt with the 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 food that he's given the fowls of the air. He's dealt with the clothes that he's put on the lilies of the field. But it's not seek ye first the next position, even though, and I'm preaching, and maybe if God is not in it, then I don't want it. But I, I am not out to climb up any corporate ladder there's all kinds of stuff that comes my way through my email at work, you know, about stepping stones. 
how that you can build your career. I'm a little bit late for that. But anyway, how that you can build and how that you can, you know, net, and we get to networking together. Some person I was talking to said, yeah, I got this position because I networked with folks. And I wouldn't have got this position if they hadn't known somebody, known somebody, known somebody. You know what I'm saying? And I don't want to fall into that trap. I want to seek God, His kingdom, His righteousness. And if I do, all these things shall be added unto you and to be content with food and raiment. Help us now. People talking about retirement. Everybody, you know... uh, and I know you got to live, but hey, he takes care of the fowls of the air and the lilies of the field. Amen. How much more? But, you know, I didn't get, I mean, for 16 plus years, I worked for the church. Ministerial work. They didn't pay my 15% to the government. Or half of the 15% or whatever it is now. I had to pay all that. There was no retirement plan in that. Well, there is. It's out of this world, like the old adage says. You know, and, and so, you know, when you face a birthday like I am next month, and you know, you kind of get scratching your head. You think about your future. I mean, that's fleshly. It's understandable. What am I going to do 10 years from now? I, I recently got a quote for some life insurance at 55 years old. <laughs> See how much that was going to cost me. Because, you know, in, in the flesh, I say, well, if I should die right now, is there enough on me to cover that house? What's Lisa going to do? She said, I'm going to sell it <laughs> and move. Okay, fine, great, wonderful. But you want to provide. So I understand that kind of thinking. I get it. But then looking at what I have now, and you're thinking, well, I got that from the state of Kentucky because I vetted. I worked five years there. I've worked three and a half years over here at the, at the base. If I get five years there, then I'm vetted as far as what I've paid in to retirement, so on and so forth. But then I got the Holy Spirit in me going, Douglas, I hear Brother Hall saying, Douglas, and he has that look on his face, Douglas, I knew I was in trouble. Douglas, and the Holy Spirit going, Douglas, whose child are you? And I'm not saying, you know, but tomorrow, I wish I had a dollar in my pocket. <laughs> tomorrow. Or next week, if the right, and I'm just saying, a lot of things are in place. The value of that dollar, which is already less, from what I understand, than the Russian money. The value of that dollar can go to zero. Like the 1920 stock market crash. They had their, they had their savings in... The in, in their investments. They had their livelihood in their investment. Everything was, was all in that money. And then when it all went south, people killed themselves because they lost it all. I'm glad I got 
Somebody stronger than the dollar. I, I, I'm glad I can look to somebody for my sustenance better than the stock market. For my, my hope, my livelihood. I mean, unless you've ever been down where you're praying food in and seeing God, and then, you know, maybe you haven't. Maybe it's been a long time and you forgot. Who sent that raven by? Woo! I've seen him do it time and time again. Righteousness. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Let me give you that again. So purity of heart, rectitude of life, conformity of heart and life to the divine law. Righteousness. Lining up with this book. Turning back and in, we want revival. I want revival. I want revival for not right here is where I want revival. Right here is where I want revival. Me and my my home, but then in your homes and in this church, and in what revival will do, Brother Kirkman put out, and he was mentioning some things that doesn't line up with good independent Baptist. And some people that line up with good independent Baptist that doesn't line up with good independent Baptist. He mentioned Jonathan Edwards in our history in the first great awakening or the great awakening here. He was a Presbyterian. I know that doesn't sit well. He mentioned the he mentioned Billy Graham, and I know that doesn't sit well. He mentioned Billy Sunday, who was a Presbyterian. That doesn't sit well. But in these different he mentioned uh, the Welsh Revival, which was not Independent Baptist. But one of the things he was mentioning about these historical events that people called revival was the manifestations of the community after said church event, religious event, where the Welsh Revival... The, they had they mined coals, coal miners. The miners would get saved and go back to the coal mines, and they used mules to pull out the coal, you know. And and the mules did not know how to take commands now from saved men because they were used to being cussed at and beaten to pull that cart. And now the miners didn't cuss them anymore. There was a change. Billy Sunday would go in with his campaigns and, and all the liquor stores in town would shut down. Totally. Out of business. Why? Because men would get saved. All the drinkers would get saved. <laughs> and they wouldn't go to the drunks. And the, some of the... Liquor store owners, we get saved, and they shut those things down. Now we got Baptist over here. There's some of the biggest proponents for marijuana coming into this state because money and the love of money, the Bible tells us, is the root of all evil. You say, you're being political up there talking about these issues. Why not talk about these issues? These are issues that's facing these kids right here. That child back there, that child back there. Like she posted, it's not about the money. 
I just heard that Mr. Stitt and our government was talking about, hey, we got this big old extra, not the deficit, the others, surplus, surplus. I'm, I'm talking about cutting taxes because we got more money than what we've put back and we're doing good as a state. But that proponent, the proponents of that marijuana mess, they're saying, oh, we need the money for our schools. No, we don't. They said the same thing when it got them casinos in this state, didn't they? And then they're having to make laws so they don't mutilate our kids earlier than 18 and trying to keep that being taught and in our school systems. The love of money is the root of all evil. And if we as churches like this right here, like the others around town that we have started, I've started associating with a little bit. Brother Kirkman's going to be preaching at one of them. And these other men and, and churches just like this with congregations just this size, unless something happens on this level, which starts at our home level, which starts at our personal level, if we don't get back right with God, then what is the future holding for our youngins? You see it in the legislation. We're going to have to vote, and I want everybody to get out and vote on March 7th. Seek ye first. kingdom of God and he is righteousness he is righteousness as it says here applied to God the perfection or holiness of his nature the exact rectitude faithfulness so we're seeking his holiness his nature to us and finally we see there here verse number 11 truth shall spring out of the earth, and righteousness shall look down from heaven. Truth, conformity to fact or reality. We're going to have to start on our level. We need to teach our kids. We need to proclaim truth. You know, that's the only way to undo a falsehood is to keep propagating the truth. But so many times, quit you like men, be strong. We men have quit propagating the truth. Good men have done nothing. And because good men have done nothing about propagating the truth, the falsities keep saying, well, it's okay. You can, you can be a man and have a baby. There's a lot of that mess out there. And they keep, they keep saying the faults of these, of nature and everything else, as truth. Evolution, evolution, evolution. In our day, most of us in here, it was taught theory. And they use the word theory in front of evolution. But now they don't. They teach it as truth. And see where that's got us as a nation? See, that's where God is as churches. And if we don't correct some of the stuff that our children are getting elsewhere, 
and we're not strong in the truth and, and stand up against the people that says, I'm a woman and they're not or I'm a man and they're not or I'm a woman today and a man tomorrow and they're not or I'm nothing and they're not if we don't look at them straight in the eyeballs and say, no, you're not. Well, they could sue you. They could do this to you. They could do that. If God be for us, no man can be against us. If we're going to stand for truth, we're going to stand for righteousness, are we going to stand on a personal level, are we going to stand on a family level, are we going to stand as a church level? Look, forget the ones. If it's a God, it'll go on. If it's not, it'll fizzle out. Let's turn it back to us. What is our heart saying? Are we right? Are we standing on the truth? Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. And I couldn't help but to go here. And this is the word must. We're going to be done right here. John chapter 4. The woman saith, verse 19, The woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers have worshipped, our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where, to, where men ought to worship. Verse 21, Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship, ye worship, ye know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. The hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship Him. I'm going to pause there. Well, let's go. God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must. Underline, highlighted, bold. They that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. Must. To be obliged. To be necessitated. It expresses both physical and moral necessity. So we that worship him must out of out of obligation out of necess yeah being necessary out of physical and moral necessity there we go a man must here's an example man must eat for his nourishment and he must sleep for refreshment we must submit to the laws or be exposed to punishment a bill in a legislative body must have three readings before it can pass to be enacted unless they change the rules. Anyway, that's a little side note. It expresses moral fitness or propriety as necessary or essential to the character or end proposed. Deacons must be grave, and the, and the bishop must have a good report of them. First Timothy, it gives reference there. This is in a dictionary there. But anyway, we must worship him in spirit and in truth. True worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Now again, we're to try the spirits. So when you hear of some of these outward manifestations of quote-unquote revival, 
Try the Spirit. Does it line up with that book? Yes or no? No? Then leave it alone. In spirit and in truth. I wonder what would happen if you go up to said college and you preach over in Corinthians where women should keep silent in the churches. You think that would kill that revival? Yeah, real quick. But you're preaching the truth. Truth. If it doesn't line up, it's not a God. If you're going to worship, you must. It's of necessity. Must worship Him in spirit and in truth. You're obliged, obligated to do that. Just like I am obligated, like I read in the scripture this morning, I must watch. Oh, yeah. Give account. As they, they watch for your souls as they that must give account. I am obligated. Did I sign up for it? Not necessarily. <laughs> I didn't go to God and say, make me a preacher. No. I didn't go to God and say, put the weight of men's souls on my shoulders. But you know, as a preacher, my obligation is to cry aloud and warn. And then I'm free. If I fail to warn, then I'm guilty of your souls and the blood on my hands. If I fail to warn you, then I'm, if I warn you though, I'm free. I will stand before God and say, I delivered the message that you put up on me to deliver. Now, it's off of me, and guess where it's at? It's on you. So if the Holy Spirit of God, either through the Sunday school and the Spirit of God through the preaching of weeks past, has said, you are a sinner and you need to be saved. In fact, let me go ahead and grab another must real quick. Brother Glenn knows where I'm going. Jesus answered and said unto him, Nicodemus, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Cannot. See the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That water is not talking about that water. The water is talking about this water. The washing of the water... Through the blood. The preacher preaches the water. And the, the, the Spirit takes this water, this message that comes from these feeble lips. The Spirit speaks to your spirit and says, He's right, He's right, He's right. You need to be born again. Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot, there it is again, cannot enter into the kingdom of God. 
That which is born of flesh is flesh. That's out of your mother's womb. And that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. That's a spiritual birth that takes place down here. Here it is. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. If you're going to go into the kingdom of God, ye must. It's, you're obligated. It's a necessity to be born again. So, going back to the Sunday school today, and going back to the weeks gone by of preaching along the lines of salvation, ye must be born again. And if that's you today, and the Spirit says, he's right, if not, the wrath will abide on you, then today is going to be the day that you can be saved. And then, child of God, not my brother, not my sister, but it's me, oh Lord. Like Brother Millie Mitchell, I am guilty. But I'm asking for mercy. Like he says there in our text. There in verse number 10, mercy and truth are met together. Mercy. I'm guilty. Wilt thou not revive us again that thy people may rejoice? You have to have a need, just like in salvation, you have to, need to, have to see a need for it. I see a need and I'm guilty as a sinner and need salvation. I'm a saved saint of God, but I am not where I ought to be with God. I'm not where I ought to be with God in my individual life. I'm not where I, my home, my home is not where God wants us to be. And you see that need, then you say, acknowledge that need. I am guilty and I'm begging for mercy. And I ask for forgiveness. And there's the altar. There's the benches to do that business while we have the song of invitation.